It's always been you, Lord. He's always faithful. You know, there are times you wander away from him, but he's right there. Right when you turn, he's right there to hold you in his arms. He's always there for you. We let him down all the time, but he will never let you down. Hey, I know some of you guys went through a really tough time this last week in the storm. Um, Some of you didn't have power until yesterday. But you know, one of the things that happens when storms hit is that God makes his power known to us with compassion. We have a disaster relief ministry that's gone all over the world to make a difference. And when anything comes here to our area, we're also right here. And, And one of the ministries in our disaster relief ministry is our chainsaw ministry. And so uh, our team went out just recently, uh, a couple days ago, and then yesterday they've been going out, and they'll go out all next week um, helping people get limbs off their houses and out of their yards. And, and so here's some pictures of these guys going at it. And so we have sent them all over the country, and I want you to know when people in other parts of the country hear that the Texas Chainsaw Ministry is coming... They're not quite sure. And we tell them, it's going to be a Texas Chainsaw Miracle. You just watch. No one's going to be hurt. And we don't hurt ourselves. These guys know what they're doing. So if if you've got something that we can come over to your home and, and help you out, you know, we want to do that. You know, I'm just so grateful for all that God is doing at Woodlands Church. And he wants to do something great in your life today. God knows where you're at. If you're worshiping with us online, he knows where you're at. He's got your number. He knows your name. He knows what you're going through, and he's got a message for you through his word. If you're here in the Woodlands campus or you're at our Atascacita campus, God knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through, and he's got a word for you today. And so I'm so glad that you've connected with us because you don't want to miss out on what God has to say to you. It's going to be life-changing. So let's pray. Dear God, we come before you and we just thank you for your love for us, that you're always there for us. It's always been you, Lord. Even when we turn and try other things, just leaves us empty. You bring us back to you and you're always there. You don't give up on us. So Lord, I just pray that over the next few moments, you would draw us all close to you and that you would just open up our hearts to receive your word because You've got something personal and powerful to say to each and every one of us in the next few moments because you love us so much. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Since it's really hot outside, I thought it's only appropriate that I make myself some tasty soft serve ice cream. Mmm, it's really good. It's really refreshing. It's a tasty treat of cold, creamy sweetness. I just wish you could experience this. I I really do. I wish you could just taste how good this is. Now, we're in a series we're calling Taste and See, and it's based on Psalm 34.8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The psalmist is saying to really experience the goodness of God in your life, you have to taste it for yourself. You have to experience the sweet blessings of God for yourself. Now, right now, you're seeing me 
taste and see. You're not getting to taste and see. You're watching me experience this divine, sweet, and creamy goodness in a cone, but you're not experiencing it for yourself. So who would like to taste and see how good this soft serve is? Yeah, you guys are getting really, I've got amens, amens. Amen, bring it on, bring on God's goodness. Bring it on. All right, so I'm gonna make thousands of these right now. I'm getting really good at it. Okay, who, who, wants, who wants it? You, here you go, right here, right here, right here. And give one to your mom or your dad, let them fight over it, okay. Taste and see. How is it? It's pretty good? He's getting ready to try it. Oh, look at that, sharing, that's really good. It's totally different to taste and see rather than see me taste and see. Now I realize the rest of you are just seeing us taste and you'll just have to take our word for it, this is really good, but we got free soft serve out in the foyer at both of our campuses, so you're gonna get one. But here's the point. So many people go through life seeing others taste and see God's sweet blessings, but they never taste for themselves. They never get to experience God working powerfully in their lives. Why is that? Why is that? Because tasting is a test. It's a taste test. To taste God's goodness, you have to step out in faith in order to experience it. You have to taste and see for yourself, and that's what the Christian life is all about. It's not about knowing about God, it's all about knowing God for yourself and experiencing God. Now, I can tell you in this cone, there's really good soft serve ice cream, but how can you really know if it's good? You have to trust me enough to taste it. And if you trusted me enough to taste it, you would see it's really good. You won't know for sure unless you risk tasting it. And I can tell you, in this cone, if you taste it, you're not gonna like it. You see, don't taste this one. This isn't good. It looks like the other one a little bit. Looks even better than the other one, to be honest with you. But this cone is filled with shaving cream. It really is. And that, who would like to taste and see? I, I promise you it is. Take my word for it. But that's how it is with God. When God in his word says, this is the way that's best for you, taste and you'll see for yourself. Then we're to taste it because God knows what's best for us. And God in his word, when he says, this isn't best for you, it's a counterfeit of the real thing. It looks really good, but don't taste and see. Trust me, it's destructive. It will leave you empty. But we're not sure that we can really trust God. We're not sure that God really knows what's best for us. And so in our human nature, we think we know better than God does. So like Adam and Eve, we taste what God says not to taste. And we experience the devastating and bitter consequences and it leaves us empty. It seems like we're always having to learn the hard way. I mean, you tell a child, don't touch that hot stove, what are they gonna do? They're gonna touch the hot stove. Sometimes you only learn by being burned. And when in God's word, he tells us to do something that doesn't really make sense to us and we're scared to step out in faith and obey, usually we say, 
God, if I can just know how this will turn out, then I'll obey. We want to see and then taste. And God says, it doesn't work that way. You have to taste and then you'll see. We say, God, if I can just see it, then I'll believe it. But God says, if you believe it, then you'll see it. It's a taste test. And the taste test is really a trust test. To taste, you have to trust God enough to obey. But here's the amazing thing. God loves us so much that he wants to fill us up and then create an overflow of his sweet blessings in our lives. Where we're so full of joy, so full of peace, so full of provision that we can't contain it. It overflows onto everyone around us. So we're gonna look at 2 Kings chapter four today because we're gonna see that there's a widow who takes the taste test and she goes from a place of complete emptiness to a place of overflowing blessings. So I want you to stand in honor of God's word. We're gonna look at 2 Kings chapter four beginning with verse one. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that he revered the Lord but now his creditors coming to take away my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. You can be seated. This widow had experienced so much loss She was grieving the loss of her husband, unimaginable grief. She lost all her income. She was about to lose her two sons because creditors were coming to take them away to pay the debt. But this woman loved God. She was a believer. And that shows me that believers aren't immune to loss. There will be times in every Christ follower's life here in this broken world that we will experience loss. And some of you are going through a deeply painful loss right now. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one or the loss of a marriage or the loss of a job or the loss of a business or maybe it's a loss of confidence or a loss of trust or a loss of peace or a loss of direction and it's just left you completely empty on the inside. I want you to know when you're totally empty and you got nothing left, that's when God can fill you up to overflowing. It's in the bitterness of loss when nothing makes sense that we can experience the sweetness of God's presence the most. And we can experience the sweetness of God's peace that passes all understanding. Now, I want you to notice in that passage, the word go is mentioned three times. God is telling this woman, go and you'll experience the overflow. First, you've got to go, and then you can experience the overflow. You see, a lot of times when we pray for a miracle, we want God to just drop it in our lap. But it usually doesn't work that way. 
You have to get going before God gives the overflowing. God says, it's your job to go, and it's my job to give the overflow. It's your job to go in obedience, and it's my job to bring the blessing. You gotta get going. And then God gives the overflowing. So the question is, where do you go? Well, you go to God first. Look at 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Now, Elisha was God's representative on earth at the time. And so when she went to Elisha the prophet, she was going to God. The widow took her problem to God. And that's the first thing we need to do when we need provision, when we need God's blessings. Go to God. Go to God's word and do what God says. So she goes to God with the attitude that she's going to obey and do what God says no matter what. She decided she was gonna trust God and taste, believing that she would see and experience his blessing. She goes to God through the prophet. God tells her to do something really unusual, and she obeys. And she discovers the lever that opens up the faucet to God's overflowing blessings. Now, I can take my empty cone and put it right here and wait for the soft serve to fill up my cone. But I'll be waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting forever until, of course, I pull the lever. I'm getting really good at this. And it's the same way with God. You can stay in your emptiness waiting for God's provision, waiting for God to meet your needs, waiting for God to work in your life. But until you pull the lever that opens up God's blessings, you'll never be filled. And the lever that opens up the faucet of God's overflowing blessings is obedience. Obedience. To trust enough to taste. It's the faith to obey. So let's look at 2 Kings 4, verse 2. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? So the prophet asked, tell me, what do you have in your house? And I think he probably asked it more like this. Tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? Because you've told me what you don't have. You keep telling me about what you've lost, so tell me what you do have left. And sometimes our loss causes us to lose sight of what's left. We don't see what God has given us because it seems so small and insignificant compared to our great loss, and so we miss it. But it's not insignificant to God. In fact, God always uses what you have to give you what you don't have. God always uses what you have to give you what you need. And we say, God, I need you to bless my finances, and then I'll put you first, and I'll tithe. And God says, no, you start putting me first and tithing on what you have so I can bless you with what you don't have. You've got to taste and then see. It's not see and then taste. And we pray, God, I need this, or I need that. And God says, first, I want you to notice what you already have. And God, I mean, everything's so crowded. My life is overflowing. I can't get it all done. And God says, what do you have? And you say, maybe a little bit of time. And God says, well, give it to me. 
give it to me and you'll see that I'll put it all together. God says, I'll start with what you have to give you what you need. For you see, you already have the miracle in the making with you right now. The miracle is right under your nose. We just don't see it because it seems so small compared to our big need. So I wanna ask you what the prophet asked this woman. What do you have in your house? You're missing the miracle. God always starts with what you have to give you what you don't have. So what is it that you have? It may seem so small and insignificant. And look at what the widow said to the prophet in 2 Kings 4, second part of verse two. She says, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. She says, I've got nothing. But then she takes this little turn of faith and she says, except a small jar of oil. She takes a little turn of faith and it starts to turn on the faucet of God's blessings in her life. She said, I've got nothing at all except. I've got nothing at all except, except, except. And God took her except and turned it into something exceptional. And God can take your except and turn it into something exceptional. That's how he always works. If you give your except to God, then he can do something exceptional with it. When you give the little you have to God, he will multiply it. Remember Jesus and the disciples on that hillside with 5,000 hungry people? And he asked his disciples, hey, you feed them. And they said, That's impossible. We don't have anything to feed them with except a little boy's lunch. We've got nothing except five little loaves and two small fish, just enough to feed a little boy. And Jesus said, I can work with that. Jesus said, give it all to me and I'll multiply it. Stop waiting for God to give you what you don't have. Give God what you do have and he'll multiply it. But we say, God, if you'll multiply what I have, I'll give you some of it. And God says, you give first, you taste first, and then you'll see. I'll multiply it. So look at what God, through the prophet, asked the woman to do. In verse 3, Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So through the prophet, God asked her to do something that doesn't make any sense. He says, I want you to go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Now, how in the world are more empty jars going to fill her empty cupboard? How in the world are more empty jars going to fill her empty bank account? God says, you'll just have to trust me. Taste and you'll see. And the woman trusts. And she obeys, and obedience pulls the lever that opens up the overflow of blessing. Obedience. Obedience pulls that lever to open up the overflow that fills you up to overflowing. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. 
This is an amazing promise of God. God says, if you'll obey my command to put me first in your finances, then I'll provide for you and start an overflow in your life. You'll be blessed to be a blessing. Now, this is the principle of tithing, and it's taught all throughout Scripture. Jesus affirmed it in the New Testament, and the word tithe just means tenth. It's giving God the first 10% of all you make. Now, let me illustrate it this way. I have 10 shaving cream cones up here. I have 10 ice cream cones up here, and that represents everything you make. Now, some people say, well, God didn't really give me what I made. I'm a self-made man or woman, but there's no such thing as a self-made man or woman because everything you have really comes from God. Who gives you the ability to work? Who gives you your next heartbeat, your next breath, and who could take it away instantly? God. Everything we have is really from God, so it's really all God's anyway. We're just stewards of what God has given us. And so God says, I want you to give back the first 10% of all you make. And so we give God 10%, one ice cream cone. And God says, you can use the rest, and I want to bless if you give me that 10%, then I will bless the rest and I'll open up an overflow in your life because you'll obey me in something that maybe doesn't quite make sense to you. But here's the interesting thing. Which one of these cones is the tithe? Because I picked up this one, but that's not the tithe. If you give this one, it's not the tithe. Which one is the tithe? The first one. Scripture says it's the first one. You give God the first and the best, not the last and the leftovers. This is really important because if you give God the last, it's not really a tithe. So God says, you've got to give me the first. Did you know it's possible to steal from God? Yeah, in Malachi, God's talking to the people of Israel at a time when they knew the principle of tithing. They knew they were supposed to step out in faith and tithe and give God the first 10%. But they went through an economic downturn in Israel and things were tough and a lot of people were going, you know what, I, I want to give God that tithe, but right now it- it's really tough. You know, the kids have a lot of needs. The mortgage is tight right now. And you know, the car needs to be fixed. Wasn't expecting that. I've got all these needs. And so what they would do is they would say, we'll wait. And God, we know we're supposed to tithe, so we're gonna give you this last one. You know, I mean, sure, God, right now we're kind of struggling, but we'll give you, we'll we'll save that last 10%. And that's not really the tithe because what would happen is there wouldn't be anything left. Or they'd give just, a little bit of leftovers. You see, maybe you know the scripture says you're supposed to tithe, and if you do, God's gonna bless the rest. That God is gonna bless you. God's gonna meet your needs, and God is gonna bless you to be a blessing that you cannot give God. Maybe you know that, and you're thinking, yeah, you know, I really need to do that. But God, yeah, you know, if we have something left at the end of the month, and we might even have 10% at the end of the month, and so, but you know, God, I mean, The mortgage is pretty high, and so that takes up a lot of it right there. And then we got all these bills. Man, you know how it is, God. And the kids, I mean, those lessons, do you know what it cost for those dance lessons, those tennis lessons, and and for them to play sports? I mean, God, it's crazy. I mean, we got to take out a loan just so the kids can have their lessons. And then, oh, God, we didn't expect... Yes, we didn't expect the car to have problems. 
I mean, you know, we had to take care of that, God. You, you understand that, don't you? But we're gonna still give you some. Don't you worry, God, we're gonna give you some. We believe in tithing, we believe in giving, so we're gonna give you some, but, but you know, it, it cost us $50,000 to go to Starbucks this month. We ate out every meal, because you know how busy it is. And, and then it's like, oh, wow, God, we didn't expect that. And, but you know what, we got, that, we got 5% left, and then something else happens, and something else happens, and then before you know it, God, we've got about 1% left, and then something else happens, and, and it's like, God, I mean, you don't really need anything anyway, do you? I mean, you got everything you need. I don't really understand this, and you understand that it's kind of tight right now, and we needed to get some of these extra things, and you know how that is, God. You know, we need to get a few more things. So we come to church, and we give God a few flakes, and we think, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty good, isn't it, God? And God says, no. God says, no way. You see, the people were wondering in Israel why they weren't experiencing the blessings of God in their life in so many different ways. They weren't experiencing financial blessings. They weren't experiencing peace and joy. They weren't experiencing the joy of knowing that they were putting treasure in heaven in eternity. They weren't experiencing the blessings that God wanted to give them. And God confronts them. And in Malachi 3.8, he says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Scripture always talks about the blessing and the curse, that you're under a blessing or a cursing because, you know, God gives us this opportunity and he wants us to experience his blessings because he loves us so much. You can steal from God but eventually God gets it all back, usually in this lifetime. Usually in this lifetime, God will get it back some way and somehow, but if he doesn't get it back in this lifetime, you leave it all behind when you die because you can't take it with you. I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul, have you? Nope. You can't take it with you, and so God gets it all back eventually. You can steal from God, but really you're stealing from yourself the blessings God wants to give you. So you've gotta understand, God doesn't need your money, you need God's blessing. It's not God needs my money, no, he wants what it represents, my heart, and he wants me to experience his blessing. And I wanna tell you, Satan will do just about anything he can to keep you from experiencing that blessing. Because he doesn't want you to know that God is real in the most important areas of your life. He wants you to stay spiritual and not get practical. He wants you to oh, praise God and love God, I love God, but he doesn't want you to trust God in the most important areas of your life, like your finances, your relationships, your work, your schedule. He wants you to stay spiritual, not practical, because that's not really spiritual. But here's the good news. God wants to bless us. In Malachi 3.10, he goes on to tell the people, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And the storehouse is the church, the church house. You can give to a lot of great organizations, and Chris and I do, but the church is the storehouse. The church, the local church is the hope of the world. It's the only organization that will last throughout eternity. 
says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out to you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. When we open the door of generosity and obey what God commands, God opens the window of heaven. That's amazing. See, tithing is a test of my heart because I can say I love God. You know, I can worship and sing that I love God, but if I don't tithe and give him first place in my finances, he's not really first place in my life. I mean, who am I kidding? Because finances are important to me. And if God's not first place in your finances, he's not first place in your life. Christianity doesn't work in your finances. If it doesn't work in your home, if it doesn't work in your relationship, then it doesn't work. But the great news is tithing is a test of my heart, but it's also a test of God's heart for me. When I tithe, God says, I'm gonna open up the windows of heaven and pour out on you such blessing. There won't be room enough for it in your life. I'll bless you even more to be a blessing. But you gotta test me in this, God says. He says, you can test me in this and see if I don't keep my word. You have to take the taste test. And so many of you have tested God in this principle of tithing at Woodland Church and it's changed your life completely. I hear from so many of you every week, not a week goes by that someone doesn't come up and go, Pastor Kerry, I just need to tell you that two years ago I started tithing and it's been amazing. My business has been so blessed. I mean, God has just given me that promotion. God has done all these things. I don't know how he's done it, but it's been amazing. I've had so many people come up to me and go, tithing works. And I go, yeah. God's word says it. <laughs> so many of you have learned this principle of how to live in God's blessings. Obedience pulls the lever that opens up the faucet of God's blessings in your life. And the great thing is, you begin to see how real God is and how much he cares. You begin to learn how to trust that God's gonna meet your needs when you put him first. I want you to hear from just a few of the folks at Woodlands Church who have, in this church, learned the principle of putting God first in their finances and experienced the blessing. Just watch. I would see my mother tithe growing up, but as I became an adult, it's like, hey, I kind of need this money. I shouldn't, maybe, you know, maybe next time, God. And one day, him and I, I think we're engaged and we were discussing it, and he's like, Kelsey, you haven't been tithing? I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to finish school, you know, all these excuses. He's like, no way. I'm like, I'm gonna call my mom. And of course she sided with him. <laughs> I kind of just knew that that was written. It was supposed to be, that's what you're supposed to do. So once I started tithing, it's kind of like, okay, where is it? Is it gonna come back? You're supposed to come back, you know, and overfill your storehouses and things of that nature. Sure enough, the phone kept ringing, the business rate kept coming. So I was like, this works. And after I called my mom and she sided with him, I'm like, I'll do this. So for a good two years, I did it unwillingly. Like, it wasn't with a good heart. But now, looking at our giving history, it's just blossomed into something crazy. And I'm like, wow, like, it's a, it's a blessing to be a blessing. So this is what we have to do. Um, I was raised by a single mom, and she, you know, worked several jobs to make ends meet. And tithing was not really something we did. So going into my adult life and my first big girl job, um, I knew like, okay, like I I've got to do this. And so I was like, okay, God, well, let's try this. So I'll never forget um, about a year into tithing faithfully. Um, I received a call from my boss at the time and she called and she was like, hey, 
just want to let you know I am I'm giving you a salary increase. There was no reason for her to do that for me, but I know that God is the source. It's from Him. It's it's God. When we were younger and new Christians and coming to a church and they they're talking about giving and tithing and stuff, um, it was all that was new to us. I didn't have uh, the enthusiasm to do it. Um, but I knew you were supposed to do it because I knew what the Bible said about it. Uh, but God's brought me down this road where I don't, I don't even think about it like that anymore. Uh, we found that so much blessing and giving. It, it was a new concept for me to, you know, to, to give. You know, and I really thought about it and, you know, if, if, if the Bible says to do various things, but we hold back on certain things, then um, are we really, you know, living God's word? And so um, we just decided, all right, we're gonna do this. Yeah. We're, we're gonna test it. I was actually lagging behind. Um, you know, I would give here and there, um, and not consistently, but I watched Dean lead our family by example and give consistently. You know, I was kind of dipping my toe in the water a little bit, and I would see little blessings here and there, and I thought, gosh, you know, why am I not more disciplined? So I started that, um, um, and, and every year, at the end of the year, I pray about it, and we talk about it, and um, and then it's you, I just feel God's presence tell me this is the percent more that I want every year, so consistently increasing every year. So, mm -hmm. um, And he's been very faithful to us. So. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to see it, like, let me see what's gonna happen. And he's like, Kelsey, that's not how it works. God has provided every step of the journey. You know, he's opened doors, closed the ones that needed to be closed, and, you know, I've always been the beacon of light to follow. Even though, like, I really just had to go out on a limb and just try and say, okay, God, here's my finances, it's yours. Um, you know, I'm just so thankful that he is so faithful. Though the blessings have been tremendous financially, mm -hmm. um, the blessings just spiritually, emotionally, mm -hmm. um, have been um, uh, exponential. It's an incredible feeling just knowing that if I'm obedient, then I don't have to worry about anything. All that we have is God's, it's not ours. So why, why hold tight on that? It's his and he gave it to us to help other people and to do things with, not, not for our own um, benefit. I'm not the person I used to be. And um, when he's experienced that, I've experienced that. And so I just want people to know Jesus Amen. and know what we know. Yeah. When you've experienced that, you want everyone to know. You want everyone to get it. Now, I was really blessed. I grew up in a home where I was taught at an early age to tithe. Uh, when I got a dollar for allowance, I gave the first 10 cents back to God, though I didn't agree with that principle from God's word at the time. It's like, well, God doesn't need my 10 cents. And then when I made $100 mowing lawns, I gave the first 10 back to God. And I wondered, why does God need that? But as I got married and Chris and I said, we're gonna put God first in our marriage. We're gonna tithe, we're gonna give God that first place because we need him desperately in our lives. I mean, we had that principle that changed our lives. But some of you grew up and you never did that and you know, it's hard for you to grasp and that it's a habit. You don't just give when you feel like it. You don't just give every once in a while, but you give the first 
and God blesses the rest. And it seems like, wow, that's a huge step of faith. But think about it this way. If you can trust God with your eternal destiny, but you can't trust him with your earthly finances, I mean, is God really God in your life? But when you take that step of faith, you see. Now, it's interesting that in Malachi, God says, you can test me in this because God wants us so much to experience his blessing. He doesn't want the enemy to keep us from those blessings. And the biggest blessing is just knowing that God cares, that he's real, that he works in your life that that blessing is not just for someone else, but it's also for you because he loves you. And so he says, you can test me in this. You, you can test me. Now, we're never supposed to test God in anything. God says, don't put the Lord your God to the test, except in this area. He makes an exception because he wants us so much to experience it. And I think it's also because he knows how important finances are to us, and it gets down to where the rubber meets the road. And he just says, man, let me give you this extra nudge because I want you to know it. So at Woodland Church, we just come alongside God and we say, because you can put God to the test in this, we call it the tithing test. If you start tithing today and you tithe for the next three months and God doesn't come through for you, then you call the church office, email the church office, and our administration department will send you back every dime that you gave plus interest for those three months, no questions asked. Because we come alongside God and say, hey, God's gonna come through. You can put God to the test, and if he doesn't, call church office, we'll send you back every dime. No questions asked, with interest. And so, today, I challenge you. So many on that video testimony said they started by taking a tithing challenge. They were a little bit scared. They weren't quite sure. They weren't quite, you know, ah. Uh, you know, they tried to think of a lot of excuses, and it's like they finally did it. I saw God come through. You say, well, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to. God wants you to tithe. Or maybe you're making a lot. You know, all the studies show that the more Christians make, the less they tithe. Why? Because they think God's going to, 2% is a lot, God, now. Why is that? It's greed. God, you're going to be satisfied with this. And God says, nope, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And so God calls us to do this because he loves us and he wants us to experience it. And so at Woodland Church, we want everyone to experience it. So just come along with something else, that little tithe challenge. And if you want to start today and take the tithe challenge, we'll know you started today. Tithe for the next three months and you watch God come through. And if God doesn't come through, you just call the church office and get every dime back plus interest. That's how much we know God's word is true. Now, I want us to look at how this miracle ends in 2 Kings 4, 5. It says, she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one, but he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. So she went out, she got all the empty jars, got all these empty cones, and she just had a little bit of oil. And she obeyed God, and the lever was pulled, and the faucet was opened, and she couldn't keep up. She kept filling them up, and filling them up, and filling them up. And it was crazy. And she's blown away by God's blessings because she can't keep up with God's blessings. 
And her son just keeps handing her the next jar and it keeps filling up. And the next one. She can't believe it. Her neighbors aren't going to believe it because they didn't know why in the world she was doing that. And she fills up all of them and she says, son, give me the next one. He says, there's no more. And the oil stopped flowing. Now here's what's so amazing. What if she would have gone out and got one jar and she would have said like I probably would have done, okay, God, I'm gonna go get, this is crazy and it's a waste of my time, so I'm gonna go get one jar and see what you do with it. Then if you, if you do a miracle, I'll go get some more. Isn't that the way we treat God? God, I mean, I'm just gonna do it and see, you know? If she would have got one jar, that's all she would have had. She would have never really experienced the miracle. If she would have got twice as many jars as she brought back, she would have had twice the miracle. Here's the amazing thing. She got to decide how much God blessed her. And Jesus says, be it done to you according to your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He's saying, you get to decide how much blessing you receive in your life. And of course, there's financial blessing, but there's things that are so much more important than that. To be overflowing with joy, overflowing with peace, overflowing with knowing that God cares about you, that he's real and he loves you and he will always take care of you. That's what's so amazing. So I want us to bow our heads right now. And if you would say to me, Carrie, I know there's areas in my life that God's word says clearly what I'm supposed to do, but I'm a little scared to do it. It's these areas that matter so much to me. We just know God cares about those areas more than you do. God cares about your business more than you do. He cares about your finances more than you do. He cares about your family more than you do. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. And so right now, it's not about what you feel like. It's not about how much faith you have. Just take the little bit of ordinary faith you have that's not perfect at all that may have some fears in it, and you just obey. It's all about obeying God and stepping in faith. Whatever he calls you to do, some of you need to be baptized today because God commands, after you've received Christ, you're to be baptized to show everyone that you're a Christ follower. You can't skip over that one. And today is your day. And God says, obey, and I will open up the lever of blessing, and you won't believe I'll take you a thousand steps forward. For some of you, it's tithing. You, you've never done that, and it, it seems like it's just really big, and how in the world, God, are you gonna do it? And you just step out and obey, and you will see that God will meet your needs, and that God will bless, and that God will work, and you'll be amazed. Step out today. Whatever it is, don't delay. You start today as the day, and today's the day of salvation. If you've never received Christ, today is your day. Just pray this prayer silently to God. Dear Jesus Christ, I need you. I admit I can't make it without you, so I just accept your free gift of salvation. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Give me a fresh start, a clean slate. Come into my life, Holy Spirit. Change me from the inside out. I accept your free gift of heaven one day. 
Thank you for saving me. Now help me grow in my faith. Help me take the next steps to obey you in baptism and take those steps to follow your word and obey because I love you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you received Christ, he's in your life and he will never leave you. And by the way, for those of you who today is your day to start the tithing challenge, we're gonna start it right now. There are many ways to give at Woodland Church. You can go online to wc.org slash give. And many of you who are online right now, you can start that right now, wc.org slash give. And then you go to recurrent giving. And this is really important. Recurrent giving means that you're really gonna make sure it's not about that you feel great to give or everything's working out to give, but you just give because it comes first in your life. Make sure it's the tithe, the first 10%. Make sure that it's as important, more important than your mortgage. Recurrent giving is really important, that it's faithful, faithful, faithful. So you can set up recurrent giving on our secure giving site, or you can take out your smartphone and just text the word GIVEWC, just put it together as one word, GIVEWC, to 77977, and you go to the same secure giving site, you can set up recurrent giving there. Or you can give stocks. We have ways to do that that are, are great. Just call the church office, email us, or... You can go online and do that as well. Or you can give by mailing in your gift. But be consistent with it. That's the thing. It's a discipline. Obedience is a discipline. It's not about a feeling. It's a discipline. And as you do that in faith, because obedience means love, that's God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands because you'll trust me. And then it builds your trust and it builds your trust and it builds your trust and changes your life. And you can give right now in the offering. We're gonna take the offering right now. Our ushers are gonna come right now, take the offering, and we give because we love God. We love what he's doing through the ministries of Woodland Church, and we want God's blessing in our lives. Got a few announcements to make. Super Summer Baptism 2 is coming up right after this service. I think now there's been, a hundred, uh, there have been 1,056 people baptized through our Super Summer Baptism. It's amazing. And today, I know that so many of you couldn't be baptized uh, two weeks ago, so we always have a Super Summer 2. And I know that there's a lot of you signed up to be baptized today, and you've got your clothes, and you're ready to go. But if you didn't even realize there was a baptism today, but God says, take that next step, don't wait. We have clothes of all sizes, dark shorts and shirts of all sizes. We have everything you need after you get your hair wet. We have dressing rooms back there. And so in a moment... I'm gonna ask all of you to go to the dressing rooms, meet our pastors, they'll take you there and out to the big fountain, the big prayer fountain where we have our big baptism. It's amazing, everyone's invited. We celebrate with cake and ice cream and bring some soft serve out there. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's a celebration of what Christ has done in your life. I want us all to stand right now because I want you to thank the Lord that you have all you need. I want you to taste in faith and just say, God, I know that I have all I need. I have the miracle right under my nose, so help me to give you that little bit so you can take it and make it what you want it to be and do something great in my life. And so we're gonna go out of here praising God. We're gonna go out of here singing and rejoicing because I have all I need. Let's sing it to Him. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. 
If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.